Wow, that was awesome. Outstanding. I got Jonathan Taylor on my fantasy football team, and he scored, what, four or five touchdowns? I think I'm in first place now, baby. Woo! I think I'm playing against Jonathan Taylor on one of my other leagues. So I'm not even checking the score. You're messed up, dude. I'm going to catch you in our league. Outside of that, there's no good news to report. (laughs) No, I mean, the only only good news after today is is, uh, for those who want to see Matt Nagy fired, this is probably was, in my opinion, the dagger in his coaching career. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Not not that he was out there, not that he blew – the defensive coverage and all that stuff. It's it's just the 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 way this team loses. To lose at home to an undermanned Baltimore Ravens team. Uh I I know you don't have Khalil Mack. I know you're missing Allen Robinson on your side as well. But at home to to a to a team like that that didn't have their superstar MVP you know type quarterback. Um it, it, that, that's just that just you know it's unexplainable. You know, you should have won that game. Um I, 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 I'm at a loss for words. You know, I, I've been saying that they should have won the last two games. Definitely should have won this game. They're three and seven now. And, and, uh, you know, even if they win in Detroit, they'll go four, you know, four and seven. And they're just kind of like treading there, you know, treading water. Minnesota is, is, uh, they won today. So they're, they're kind of, they're, they way past the bears now. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than that this, this loss, other than Justin Fields getting hurt. You know, it was you know that was bad enough, but then now you you top it off by by losing to a, to an undermanned Ravens team at home. I mean, for you guys who want, for I see people in the chat saying fire Matt Nagy. I think you guys are gonna get your wish. Well, and I think, in my opinion, uh, and I'd love to debate this with you if you feel otherwise, but this is an indictment too of Ryan Pace. The roster is not there. The roster is not there to to be able to sustain injuries to certain players. Now, I know that most NFL teams, when you lose your number one defensive player, it's going to have an impact on that team and could potentially mean the difference between a win or a loss. But what we saw in terms of a breakdown from the defense didn't have anything to do with the pass rush. It had more to do with the lack of emphasis on tackling, the lack of talent in the defensive backfield. It had to do with lack of talent on the offense in terms of playmakers so that when A-Rob goes down, who has not been having a good season to begin with, but he's your number one receiver. But when you lose your number one receiver and now you're starting Demir uh, Bird and Marquise Goodwin; those are your three and four guys. No, this is this has to do with Ryan Pace failing to develop a roster that can compete against teams that don't have their number one quarterback, that don't have their MVP MVP quarterback, and instead are starting an undrafted free agent, a guy who was considered not football worthy to be drafted from, and get beat by that young man. For me, for me, it's it's I, like I said, I've defended Ryan Pace in 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 the past here, and and I'm not a, I'm not on a fire Ryan Pace, you know, uh, I'm not on that team yet. I mean, I'm I'm more on the fire Matt Nagy Pace now or, or team, I should say. But Pace for me has has done. I mean, he inherited a, a bare bone roster, and he's developed and drafted some some quality players. Now, has he made mistakes? Yes, and we've just gone over those mistakes, you know, in previous shows, so we're not going to rehash that. But what? I feel Ryan, Ryan Pace, and uh, there's nothing for me to kind of put out there in terms of this is what I know happens. But from my feeling is just kind of seeing him go through a couple of these coaching regimes is he defers a lot to his coaches, right? So if his coach says, you know what, let's not go get 
player A, we can go a lesser route and go, you know, player C, D, or E by, you know, because this guy's had an, you know, he had experience with his one player or he thinks he can fit into a system. I think he defers to that because a lot of the things, what he's done is he's deferred a lot of the salary cap onto the defensive side. And that's what hurts. If anything hurts Ryan Pace today, it's all that cap money on the defense and the defense is what let them down today, right? Right. Any Dalton came in, cold off the bench, uh, you know, d- does what a, a, a veteran quarterback does, comes in and, and helps you win a game when your starter goes down. And he, does, he did that. Now, that was a miracle play, uh, that fourth and 11, where I, I don't know what the Ravens were doing, all, all out zero, you know, blitz and 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 just let the one-on-one coverage, you know, touchdown score, whatever. But the money is all on the defense. And the defense, the last two games, once the Bears have taken the lead late in the, in the, in the ball game have let this this team down and has led to losses. That to me hurts Ryan Pace because that means that, that the money up front is, is not making not making you know the plays. Now again, Eddie Jackson wasn't in this game. Now Eddie Jackson made a difference in terms of you know not you know blowing that coverage, the one that Deion Bush all blew today. But again, go see go to your point then there should be better backups in terms of maybe some some veterans that are that are one year you know cheap deals or whatnot just to bring in there to be able to be a quality backup you know for for if a starter goes down. That's where I kind of I, I agree with you there, Aldo. But in terms of just a clean fire Ryan slate or Ryan Pace slate, I'm not there yet. Um, but because I, I still think he's done some pretty positive things in terms of the draft, in terms of some trades and free agency. A lot of people in the chat room are saying something that you tweeted out um, a, a probably in the middle of the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter is that um, was Mac Nagy now calling the plays. It looked like it. Yeah. So, so Nagy calls a place for Andy Dalton because it, – and one thing I, I didn't like about the play calling in the first half is, is uh, David Montgomery only had nine carries, I believe, at the time. And, and for whatever reason, they feel like when Montgomery's playing – they cannot give the ball to Khalil Herbert. Why not go with a one-two punch of Montgomery and Herbert and, and use the and use that running game? That is your that is your uh, your your identity on offense. Let's go ahead and, and hold on to the football. Let's continue. I know there are, there are plays where they're they're losing one or two yards, but you got to keep pounding the rock and get in there. And then sooner or later you're gonna bust a big run here and then, and then work your your passing game off of that. But yeah, when when Dalton got in there, you saw Nagy just put the headset on, and all of a sudden you got the play card. And, and so so white so Dalton. Only uh, play runs the plays that Nagy wants to call, and or and 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 then Fields runs for Bill Lazor. It, it, it just a total mess. It's just a total mess. Mm-hmm. This is not a way a NFL franchise should be run. Where, where if one quarterback is in there, oh, I'm calling the plays. If another quarterback's in there, oh, you call the plays. And the same thing we saw the same thing with, with Trubisky last year, right? When Foles and Trubisky were in there, so mm-hmm. it's like when Trubisky got in there, uh, they they uh, Lazor got the calls again, and then when when uh, Foles was in there, it was it was Nagy calling the plays. So. It's just so, so confusing. There was, uh, sticking with the play calling, there was a lack of rhythm, even in the yeah. first half mm-hmm. with the play calling and throughout the game with the exception of one or maybe two series in the entire game. And so that is concerning. But part of the lack of rhythm had to do with player mistakes, Darnell Mooney dropping a couple of passes in the first half, and other and Justin Fields not seeing the uh, running back to his left, and instead decides to run upfield when he could have easily flicked it to his uh, running back. I believe it was David Montgomery who was yeah. wide open and easily would have picked up the first down. Those but- types of things are important to point out because, like Sean Desai said, you can have the best scheme in the world, but if the players don't don't 
don't fulfill their responsibilities of getting off blocks of making the catch and blah, 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 then it lo- it's going to be awful. And that's what happened today. It was poor scheming plus poor execution. So, yeah, so initially, and that play that I know that that's a play that Justin Fields got hurt on too. That's the one where he, I, I think he saw Montgomery, but I think he felt like he had a better opportunity just holding on to a ball and getting the first. Now, obviously, that was a bad decision. So, I I, I say that's more bad decision making than, than actually not seeing the, the player because he come on or he pumped fake to him and then decided to hold on to the ball. And he thought maybe he can get the first down. And obviously, you know, hindsight, and I look at the replay, if he t- tosses it to Montgomery, uh, you, you have it right here on, on the screen here. He gives it to Montgomery there. There's no one around him. It's easy first down, and he doesn't get hurt. So, I mean, that's the double I mean right there. So, uh, but yeah, you know, the, the offensively, the, there was no rhythm. I, again, I, I just wanted them to be run heavy, and, and they really weren't. I mean, they had nine, nine rushing attempts by Montgomery at halftime. Uh, Justin Fields had nine, nine passing attempts. So they're a little more, more evenly balanced, if you will. But so I, I just want to rely more on, on Montgomery and, and mix in a little Kilio Herbert, and they're not doing that. And um, that was a little disappointing to me. But, yeah, the first half was a little disjointed in terms of there were some nice, you know, uh, plays by by Fields in terms of throws downfield to, to Mooney. Um, but then, it, you know, after that, it was like, you know, it was here and there. It was like, you know, there was a sack. And, and the one thing about Fields he has to correct is he's got to protect the football. You know, the, you know, first of all, you know, that first drive, the, that third and five play on that first drive where they toss it out to uh, Montgomery, who loses two yards, and then subsequently – um santos misses that 40-yard field goal you know that's three points right there and then that second drive where they were kind of moving the ball down the field and then obviously you know fields gets hit and the, and the ball gets comes out and it's a fumble and they recover by the ravens so th- those are two potential points scoring drives that go you know that go for, for zero points and that of course not puts the offense on on its heels you know the ravens luckily weren't ma- doing much in terms of what they were you know offensively they only had three points uh, at, at up to that point, so it's it wasn't like they were they're getting you know kind of running away with the football game. So the Bears could have still stayed patient, could have still you know kind of you know used the running game to go ahead and get downfield again. But again, it was just helter skelter and and just you know like some some plays would work, some plays wouldn't work, and then it was like three and out, and it, it was just it was just an ugly game. I think you tweeted out that this was one of the uglier games at halftime, and oh. I just felt like that. I just felt like you know the, the Bears were letting this undermanned team. You know, at on you know on the road, feel like you know they, they have a chance to win this game and pull it out. And, and sure enough, you know uh, the Ravens showed why they you know John Harbaugh is one of the better NFL coaches you know in in the in the NFL comes into to a opposing um, uh, you know opponent's home uh, stadium you know a, a game that the the team must win and comes on squeaks out a, a victory with a you know backup quarterback and and him missing you know a, a couple of starters on offense as well. So. You know, that, that just tells you, to me right there, that shows that coaching is is very important in this league. Indeed. And uh, 4,000 Clovers asked for it, so he's going to get it. Here it is. Get your shit together. Get it all together and put it in a backpack. All your shit. So it's together. And if you got to take it somewhere, take it somewhere, you know? Take it to the shit store and sell it. Or, or put it in a shit museum. I don't care what you do. You just got to get it together. I think I'm going to update that cartoon and add Ryan, Ryan Pace. <laughs> Who else should I add? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, people want. I'm sure I want Ted Phillips in there, but I'm not sure how much of a, of an influence he has on football operations. We'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll have to, you know, that's always a mystery around around Ted Phillips. Is is he involved in decision making or not? But the mm-hmm. other thing is, like, all right, guys. So now we're three and seven, right? They're you know they're probably cemented themselves in a in a top portion of, of the first round in terms of the the, the draft pick that they're not going to have. 
right? So now there's going to be all these talk about Justin Fields. Is, is he injured? You know, in terms of how bad is his injury? Is he going to start Thursday? Uh, is Andy Dalton now the quarterback to go with? And so on and so forth. So there's all these question marks, you know, that people are going to be talking about firing this guy, firing that guy. It, I mean, the whole organization, it just seems like it just, there's always these, you know, after a three or four year period of, of a regime, there's always these like, unanswered questions and uh you know people are just you know upset and they want people fired and you want you know total clean slate but you know it, it sucks every time you clean slate because you know you're starting all over again you're bringing new coaches you're bringing new schemes in possibly now you're gonna have to start drafting for your new coaches and so you're starting all over again so it's like back to ground zero and it's like as a fan and as an analyst you're like you're tired of keeping going this the cycle over and over again every three or four years so you know it's it's it's, it's become something that that unfortunately has become part of our, our football culture here Yes, indeed. And but at a certain point, you have to say, all right, this is not working. We have to start over. And it's it's a painful decision. But the quicker you make it, the better it is in most circumstances. Now, we've talked before how the general managers on some teams like San Diego or, excuse me, the Chargers and the Cardinals and so forth, they stuck with their general managers through really bad times. They went through multiple coaching changes. They went through multiple quarterbacks. And now it appears that those teams all have a chance to win in the postseason. So the question is, do you stick with Ryan Pete? after he was basically forced to take John Fox as his head coach and he chose Matt Nagy, which we are all in agreement now that Matt Nagy is not the guy, and he drafted Mitchell Trubisky, and we have hope that Justin Fields will be the guy. Those are the two major decisions that that Ryan Pace has made. And so the question is, do you give him another year? Do you let him pick the next head coach? And, and, And does he have... The, the 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 thinking the strategy the vision to build around this quarterback that he traded up for because he didn't with Mitchell Trubisky he, the fact of the matter is is that as much as I dislike Mitchell Trubisky the fact is that Mitchell Trubisky was not done no favors at all by the Matt Nagy coaching regime and and we saw that right we saw that how how it's gone on here with Matt Nagy in terms of he was brought in as as this, you know quarterback whisperer if you will some some innovative play caller and he's not and, and we know that now the thing with 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 ryan pace and i just said earlier in the show that i am not ready to to you know get rid of ryan pace you know i'm 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 like teetering but i'm not 100 there i'm there with, with matt nagy i think he's got to go it's time to move on time to, you know especially for justin fields future i think you need to bring in someone who's going to be able to help develop this kid now with 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 ryan pace in terms of that question if you're the mccaskies and you're Ted phillips whoever's making a decision is if you're going to give Ryan Pace another crack at hiring a coach, it can't be a one-year thing, right? So, you know, if either you're going to give him, you know, three, four years, another three, four years to work with his new coach he's going to hire. And then after after that time, you say, you know, what, it's not working. Right, then do a the, full, clean slate. Justin uh, has I apologize rips, for interrupting. So Matt Nagy's at the podium. That goes. Um, and then uh, uh, Shelly, Duke Shelly has has a hamstring. So those are the two guys uh, in, in regards to, uh, to injuries. Um, um, compliment uh, the Ravens for playing hard and finishing that game with the win for us. Obviously it's unfortunate uh, to, to, to lose the game the way we did um, back-to-back weeks like that. Uh, the guys are uh, battling, but in the end we're not finishing, you know? So um, I, I want to compliment Andy Dalton for being able to come into this game in this uh, environment and right away have two plays and, and, uh, and get going there with, with that. And then in the end, in a crucial situation, situational football, 
for him to make plays the way he did. I think it shows to who he is as a quarterback, who he is as a person, and for uh, for the offensive guys to, to battle there in the end to give us a chance to win. The defense, I thought, swarmed all day long, did what they had to do, you know, with the, the tackles and the, the sacks. And But in the end, um, you know, I know that they're they're frustrated because of, uh, you know, not being able to close that game and finish the game. So you know, the result of that is that we lose. And, um, uh, you know, and obviously special teams too. We had the 40-yard missed field goal and then we had the partially blocked punt. So uh, we got to... Uh, um, you know, we don't have time. We, we got to, we lose days because of Thanksgiving game. So we got to move on to Detroit. But with that, uh, I'll go ahead and open up the questions. Broken uh, again, I don't, I don't know any of that right now, you know, so. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I think there was a play out, where he you know, fell out of bounds that he, he got up slowly. Too. That may, might've been the start. Help, but if he is healthy on third, then they would play as your starter. Again, I gotta, I gotta see exactly what type of injury he has, you know, because it is his ribs. So we gotta see, okay, how much effect does that have uh, for him? So uh, we'll get into all that, and that's not where we're at right now. You should say if he's a hundred percent healthy, he's a starter. Yeah. Right, that's what they asked him. Score mm -hmm. under two minutes, and the defense doesn't come up with a stop. It's just how, how does it sit with you and the team where you know you were close to winning those two games and you. Yeah, just like it sits with everybody else, you know, you got to finish. You got to be able to uh, to end the games and close them out. And in the end, of situational football. Uh, you have the lead in two games to be able to uh, to close it out and win both of those games, and we didn't do that. Uh, I'll have to find out what kind of coverage breakdown there was. They ran a ran a couple couple big chunks there with the DPI, and then. And then that one there as well. So I don't. I'll have to look at that uh, later. How dispiriting is that to have a, a play with busted coverage in the situation that you're in? Yeah, can't have it. Can't do it. You have you have to go through which scenarios. Yeah, there was a headset issue on that. My my headset went out completely right at the right at the uh, right at that point. I thought I was talking to the guys and I wasn't. Um, and so then at that point I had to, you, you don't have a play, you don't know what you're going to. So Tabor's down there with me as a special teams coordinator. So I was uh, basically essentially playing the field position to, to punt the ball. Uh, but then once I was able to, to be able to get it back and know what we wanted to do, we got aggressive there and, and uh, went for it. And the second one was um, fourth and six. Uh, there at the end, right? It was a fourth and six. Yeah, yeah. So that one there was... Uh, you know, that's a crucial down and distance to make sure you're 100% ready for what you need. And so the clock was running down, I think, for that one. You'd love to be able to keep it because if you don't get it, yeah, I think there was like a minute 48 to go and there's two, you have two timeouts. So for some reason, if you don't get that, you have two timeouts, you can still get the ball back. And so that was that was uh, one where we, we, uh, we just felt like we weren't with the clock running down. We felt rushed before we snapped it. And we, we wanted to be smart about that. So it ended up working. Yeah, so that one there, um, again, we're, we're at a point where you have the celebrations, you have guys coming back and forth, and, and then also knowing that you're you're up, you know, those four points um, where, where we were, um, you want to be able to make sure you have everything you need personnel-wise and going for it, et cetera. You know, there was also the penalty, so you have you move it half the distance, make it from the one, you use it on kickoff. So there's a lot of stuff going on at that point, but that's – that's why we used it to be able to, to make it a six-point game. Yeah, why was the thought process more important 
going Yeah. Yeah, well, we felt like we, you know, that's the play we had all week long. That's not a new play or, or anything we made up. Uh, that's the play that we had. And uh, if you get it, it looks good. And if you don't get it, it looks bad. Did a headset going out effect? You're see, I'm just trying to figure out what you're thinking. No, no, we were, we were, I, I was communicating on, you're talking through that, that scenario. You know, the play before that's third and one, we took a shot. And, uh, you know, so we, we just missed it. Mooney caught it, but couldn't get the feet inbounds. And so now as you're communicating and going through it, you know, you're talking through decisions, Tabor's down there and the special teams and, and I'm on the headset with Bill and we're all talking through, you know, you have, you have, you do need to think about field position right there, right? Because of how your defense is playing. Um, but you also have the ability of knowing, do you feel good about your fourth and one play? So there's that balance. And, and uh, so then all of a sudden in the middle of that, as you're talking, I'm, I think I'm talking and my headset's out. You know, and so that's when then uh, that's when in order to not make it fourth and six and just play the balance, you, you punt it. And then but but once I knew then I got my headset back, that's when I called timeout to go for it. On the final PDT, why would you ever send the kicking unit even out for that? Well, again, um, that's that's part of the, the process of do you go up, you know, do you go up five and, and do, you, do you go up six? You know, and that's the communication part on us. One into the third and one, when you take the shot down the field, when you make the play call to take the shot, you're assuming that we're in four down territory right now. You just weren't able to communicate that? No, there, there's, there's, uh, you can take a shot and get it. And, and again, you can, uh, you can take a shot and not get it. And then it's, you, you decide, okay, when you're in that position right there, what do you, what, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to go for it or not? Like to take the shot, were you already thinking if we don't hit it here, we're going to go for this on four? Uh, we, we were, we were in the middle of talking through that and then the headset goes out. Again, I'm not I'm not getting into any of that. Justin's played his tail off and he's played really well. So all the stuff about Justin's done everything that we've asked him to do to be able to grow as a quarterback. He he got hurt. You know, so he's done everything to to be the starter, continue to be the starter, and he's done everything to be the guy and continue to work hard at where he's at. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, we just got to see where where Justin's at. I mean, there, that's when you talk when you're talking about ribs, um, you got to find out how much it affects them. So, um, you know, we as a staff got to got to talk through all that. The two defensive breakdowns in the final draft. I know you don't know exactly what happened, but is that just pressure forcing those mistakes? Because until then they hadn't. Been making a lot of big plays. I don't think so. I think uh, situationally, uh, you know, you're at you're at a point right there where uh, you got guys in there that got to be able to communicate. And again, I gotta I gotta go back and find out what the what the calls were and, and what the bust was all about, or if it was just a good play by them, and uh, and talk through that. The first half, uh, Justin didn't really resemble the guy who played the second half against Pittsburgh. Trying to make changes with a different game plan situation, or we just didn't get the rhythm fast enough. No, it's it's they're they're a good defense, and they're going to present different things to us. And so I think we had 17 plays before the two minute warning. You know, so we had we had four total drives in two minutes. So 17 plays, it's hard to get into a rhythm. Uh, and and I think it's you know it starts with that first drive. We got down there and we ended up missing that field goal. But um, you have to check me on that. But I'm pretty sure just rhythm wise, we weren't getting into that. I think that's part of it. Yeah, we have absolutely. Yeah, seen enough. What do you think? Yeah, we've, I've seen enough. I've heard enough. I'm I'm done with him. Third and one. If you're not going to go for it on fourth down, 
why throw it deep there? And then, and then his, his headset went out. So that, that's the only, but, but you're not calling the place. So why, why, right? Cause Bill Lazor's calling the place. Right. So if you're, if your headset went out and you're not talking to the guys, you know, why can't you just have Bill Lazor? Oh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just tired of the whole, the whole, you know, sham that it is right now. It's just, it's just a poorly run football team right now from, from top to bottom, in my opinion, in terms of the coaching staff. And, you know, we don't, we don't see players develop. On a, on a continuous basis, on a regular basis, we we've seen we've we've continued seeing this whole season, you know, decent defensive backfield, you know, coverage break breakdowns, right? You know, like that that's got to stop. And it just, you know, again, Eddie Jackson's not in there, fine, but you know, Deion Bush has been on this team for a long ass time. He should know this defense, and and for him to and, and for them to be a miscommunication between him and the corner, whoever, I'd watch the tape and see exactly what the breakdown was there, but. Like that's can't that can't happen, especially in in a crunch time situation where basically your playoff lives are on the line, or your, any chance of making a playoffs is on the line at home versus a backup quarterback making his first NFL career start. That just cannot happen, especially on a defensive unit that that's that's taking up what 70 percent of this cap on this team or something like that. The numbers are are crazy here. You know that just cannot happen. So, you know up front, you know we talked about Roquan Smith having a phenomenal game continuing his ascension into an, as an elite uh, linebacker. Robert Quinn had a tremendous game as well. I think he, he basically made the Pro Bowl to, after today's performance with three, I think three or three and a half sacks he had in, in today's game. So, you know, stepping up big time with, with Mac out. But you just cannot have these breakdowns defensively, whether that's that's coaching, whether that's, you know, the players not being able to communicate. Some, something's got to, you know, you know be get fixed there, right? And we've talked about it, what is it, not two years now, Aldo? Missed mm-hmm. tackles in the, in the defensive backfield again. There, there was that one play where Deion Bush has a nice, you know, Eddie Jackson impersonation with the Ole as as Huntley breaks up, you know, cuts it up inside on uh, and, and gets a gets a key first down in the first half. So you know, it, it's that's got to stop. And it, it's it's just to me, it comes down to coaching, right? That, that's all I can I can tell you right now is because if the players aren't good enough, then they shouldn't be here, right? But if, right. but if they're if they are good enough to be on on, on this NFL roster, then they got to be coached up. And to me, they're not being coached up enough. So you know. Just, just typical stuff like you know, my headset goes on and I have to call timeout, and, and oh, it was just I'm just done with this. I'm done. By the way, a lot of people were commenting about how red he looked uh, in that post game conference, and it appears to me that that was a YouTube uh, problem because I, I'm looking at my TV set and he doesn't look red at all. So that could have been a technical issue, but he did look like a man who is totally defeated. And a and lot when, of- once you listen, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and a lot of comments in, in the field, uh, in the chat room are about his mental health, because it, it's clear that this guy, he cares. He wants to be a great coach. He wants the Chicago Bears to win, but he is just not good enough. There's a great movie about uh, uh, Amadeus, the famous uh, composer Mozart. And this guy, he could he could write symphonies, uh, you know, while he was having sex with women. They, they show that in the movie. And there was this one guy named Solaire where he realized I can't do what this guy does. I, I can never be this great. And that's what Matt Nagy is going through now. He is going through the realization that he's not an NFL head coach, that he can't get these guys fired up, that he doesn't have the capabilities to take a coaching staff and with that coaching staff, stimulate and inspire the players to go out there and play full 60 minutes to understand the game plan, to execute it effectively. He can't do that. And he's realizing that right now. Who says we're not well cultured here at the bar room? You're talking about <laughs> composers, <laughs> yeah, Mozart composing. Anyway, during sacks, what? Uh, whatever. Anyway, so um, no, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the Aldo here. I'm gonna actually make a prediction, guys. And I'm mm-hmm. not into the prediction business, but if the Bears go up and, and lose to Detroit, 
on national television on Thanksgiving Day, Detroit gets their first victory of the season to the Bears. You have that kind of somewhat, you know, like, I don't know if it's a mini bye week, if you want to call it. That might be the time where the Bears might actually break from, from, from previous tradition and might fire Matt Nagy because now you're talking about a seven-game losing streak, right? We've talked about this the third, third, third year in a row. The Bears have had four or more game losing streaks on back-to-back-to-back seasons. That cannot happen. You cannot establish a winning culture when you're continually losing four or more games for three seasons in a row. So if if they go up to Detroit and they lose to the Lions, again, the Lions are, are 0-8-1, but they are a team that that plays hard, right? They, they, you know, they play hard for their, for their head coach. They're not very talented. So they go up there on national television and they lose to Detroit. I think the Bears make a, a change if they fire Matt Nagy. I don't know if they're going to you know, keep Ryan Pace uh, after the season, but I think they're going to fire Matt Nagy, and I think they're gonna, they'll install whether it's Mike Penn, whether it's Bill Lazor as, as an interim head coach if they lose that game in Detroit. That's my prediction. I wish I would have made that prediction instead of the prediction I made <laughs> because yours is looking because, a lot better than mine was proven to be wrong. <laughs> because, I mean, right now, if you lose seven in a row, Mm-hmm. And you lose to the Lions on national television, mm-hmm. especially if, if they get. I mean, I don't think they're going to get blown out. But if they, you know, just say say they lose the game, that's their, the Lions' first win, and they, it happens on Thanksgiving Day. Everyone's watching. I think that's when it's going to. It's, it's going to. You know, they're going to say, you know what? Let's go ahead and just cut the court here. We're going to do it end of season anyway. This this year we've talked about it. Although there's that new rule where where you could uh, now, uh, if you fire a head coach during the season, the final two weeks of the regular season, you could do Zoom interviews with potential head coaching candidates. Might as well get that ball rolling as well. Now, then you have to decide if you're the McCaskies. We were kind of t- talking about this earlier before uh, Nagy jumped on here. Was if you're the McCaskies, do you trust Ryan Pace and keep him in that position to go ahead and make the next hire as head coach? If you don't, if you have any reservations, don't say, "Oh, I'm giving another hire," and then if a year or two doesn't work, I'm going to cut ties with Ryan Pace. No, it can't work. There's it, got to be lockstep in terms of the head, the uh, general manager, and the head coach. If you're going, if you don't trust Ryan Pace. Fire him at the end of the season and now hire yourself a general manager is going to go out there, hire a coach, and now they're both on the clock on, on the same time clock. Yep. Foster Cover says that and back in January, he said the Bears would win four games and that I was not happy. Yeah, I, I, I'm not happy by any of those dismal predictions, but you were right. <laughs> and, and no, I think they'll win more than four games. I mean, uh, again, I, I, I'm know, just saying, man. like, you know, it, it's coming up, see some of these games now, like, like towards the end of the season, we don't know who's going to be playing for what. Some of these teams have to make things clinched. So we'll, we'll see how they, I think they'll still have a chance to win more. See, here's games. the thing I, I'm not sure the Ravens team that played in Soldier Field today, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's better than the Lions team will be playing on Thursday. The Lions okay. have a better offensive line, so whoever is that quarterback for the Lions is probably going to get better protection, and, and Quinn won't get his 3.5 sacks. I think that they've got a, a better running game than the Ravens, you know, without without Lamar Jackson, of course. And, you know, the defense is not great, but I'll tell you one thing. The, the Lions, they play harder than the Chicago Bears. Right. Right, and their and Thanksgiving so, game is always like their "quote unquote" Super Bowl. So you know they they always they're always up for that game. They're always play you know play tough in that game. And again, uh, we'll see what happens off Thanksgiving. But I think if if they lose that game, that's seven games in a row now you've lost. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, you just cut cut the core with Matt Nagy and see what, if Bill Lazor can do anything to kind of save face towards the end of the you know the second half of the season. Right. I have not updated uh, the schedule, so I'll just show you uh, it with my little spaceships, which denote lights, which denote prime time or nationally televised games. So, But uh, the reality is, is that we have not won a game since week five against the Raiders. 
We've lost week six, week seven, week eight, week nine, and now week 11, and potentially now week 12. And then we get into the last third of the season where the Cardinals, who have not been playing well lately, but you got to believe that that's gonna, that team is going to bounce back once Cal Murray is back in the lineup and healthy. And the Packers, the Vikings, who looked good today, I'm not sure what the final score on that was, but I know that they were uh, – Lee won. Packers won uh, on a last. Um, if, I'm sorry. Uh, Vikings won on a last second field goal. Well, look at that. Oh, <laughs> they declined this. My my father-in-law is calling me to talk about the Chicago Bears. He needs to get on uh, YouTube and watch watch the show. I mean, but, that, that was uh, Virginia McKessie calling to see if you want to be uh, come and apply for a John Andrew position. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the, the Seahawks, I'm sure they'll be playing better football than we saw them uh, in their last game. Russell Wilson's return from a, a injury didn't look ready. The Giants, a, a possible victory, but I got a feeling that they're not going to win any of these games against the NFC North teams if they lose against the Lions Week 12. So if you, if you just let's just play, let's play it out there real quick, right? If you lose against the Lions, that's a six-game losing streak, right? Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. if you lose to the Cardinals, seven, Packers, eight. Vikings nine, mm -hmm. Seahawks ten. So a ten game losing streak at, at, at that point. I mean, the, the teams, you know, if, if they're not already, they're demoralized. I mean, there's there's absolutely nothing to play for. I mean, the fans are. I don't know if the fans are going to show up at at, at the uh, the games at Soldier Field other than just to yell "Fire Matt Nagy," right. which is you know on, on national TV keep it heard, which is kind of kind of embarrassing for the organization, uh, if you ask me. But it's it's the whole thing now is 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 like if you lose ten games in a row if you play that out right there although that that is that is horrible and that's probably like the worst case scenario so that's what I'm saying like this game against Detroit if you don't win that game um, then you got to do something to spark this this team to give them some life to 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 play for for the rest of the season so uh, I I just I just don't know um, what what they're gonna do if if they lose that game and they keep this coaching staff well and you know. I saw Virginia McCaskey after the Bears scored a touchdown, and she looked so happy, and I was so happy yeah. for her. But you know what? The, the the problem with this team could be starting with her because she's such a kind soul. She's such a nice person. She probably doesn't want to fire Ryan. He looks like a grandson. Matt Nagy is such a good boy. He wears that funny hat, even though he's bald-headed. Those are probably the things that she's thinking about. And, you know, Virginia McCaskey needs to come out there. Like George McCaskey said, you know, she's pissed. No, she needs to get really pissed. And she yeah. needs to be throwing stuff around and telling uh, Ted Phillips and her son, George, clean house, do something. I'm sick of going to all these games. I get on a plane. I travel. We're getting embarrassed. I'm sick of people laughing at us. I'm sick of it. It needs to start there. And, and that's probably – probably wrong for me to even bring her into this discussion because she doesn't have any of the say over football decisions, but I do know that they do listen to her. And if she is angry, they're going to try to, to please her any way possible. And if she's pleased by the firing and overhaul of the, the, the decision makers at Hallisaw, then maybe that's exactly what we need from Virginia. Yeah, but, and then that's fine. And then uh, 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 one of the uh, chat uh, people in the chat just mentioned, like, if you're going to fire them, who are you going to hire next? And that's that's a key thing right there is you mm -hmm. got to make sure you have the right people to make the correct hires, right? You know, uh, we talked about it before. Chris Ballard was was you know ready to take this position. He was ready to take this job. It was, you know, an organization he worked for, he loved. 
but they wouldn't let him have full reign, which means get rid of, I believe the, I think, I think the stumbling point, correct me if I'm wrong, although was Jay Cutler's contract. He wanted to get rid of Jay Cutler at just right away, just clean house completely. And I think the bears didn't want to do that. They wanted to keep Cutler for at least one more year because of me, because of the guaranteed money, so on and so forth. So, you know, you can't, if, if you're going to correct this, you got to first go make the hire and give that person full autonomy over, over football operations and decisions. If he wants to cut this player and that player, so on and so forth, you know, you, you're going to have to, you know, go, kind of abide by that so the only thing is if you bring in a general manager right now that doesn't like for example justin fields that's gonna be difficult we got andy dalton he's looking red on youtube but not red on my tv we got him i don't know any details excuse me here i call it up here how do you proceed here do you like you know prepare to start on thursday i prepare the same way i prepared this whole year and so um you know, if I'm starting, I'll, I'll be ready to go. And you did Thanksgiving last year with the Cowboys, right? I did, yes. Did you learn anything then about how to turn something around in four days to play and then anything to put in practice? Yeah, I mean, I... I Everybody gets a Thursday game. Everybody's got to uh, have have the quick turnaround. I think that's the that's the big message for for this team is you can't let this game affect Thursday. And so we got to move forward. We got to get ready to go and. Uh, and enjoy the game on Thanksgiving. Thank you. Uh, sorry, caught it too late. Um, but I'm sure he didn't have anything interesting. Yeah, I'm, sorry. No, I'm, I'm sure we didn't Mitch Muss. We didn't Mitch miss much there. Yeah, we didn't Mitch Muss much, much yeah, either. Yeah, but uh, it, it's it's just uh, it's it's this game against Thanksgiving. I, I for me, I think I would think right if if it, it Justin Fields, we've seen him. He's a tough kid. You know, he's come back from from broken ribs before, and then that uh, playoff game with Clemson versus Clemson for Ohio State, and he's played through it. So you know, the, to me, this this is probably a, a, a bigger injury. Uh, a severe injury, I should say, and something that that I just don't. If he can't come back in today's game, he's probably not come starting next week. Is, is my is my thinking Thursday, especially on short short rest there. George said that Donald Trump needs to buy the Bears, and Mule says Aldo and Dan would have a heart attack if Trump bought the Bears. All you need to do is go back in history and see what Donald Trump did to the USFL. He right. didn't just ruin the team he owned; he ruined the whole entire league. So you talk about organizational suicide. Away, bring in Donald Trump. <laughs> you talk about organ organizational suicide by bringing Donald Trump in this league. <laughs> but hey, you know. I, I, I believe the Bears can get back to winning like they had in the 80s and for portions of the early part of this century if they just bring in the right general manager. But the problem is, is there anyone Finally. in the organization that can make that decision? Right now, the proof is that they cannot. and They just cannot. In fact, even when they won in the 1980s, I don't think they really had a general manager because Jerry Venisi was fired, and there was a power struggle at Hallisaw, and then they went through years where they didn't have an official general manager. Mark Hatley was performing those duties for a while, and I don't have the timeline exactly right. Uh, I'm sure Dan Aguirre can talk about this Tuesday. Mark Hatley was making those decisions of a general manager, but he didn't have that title. And so, you know, the, this this uh, organization, the Chicago Bears organization, has been dysfunctional for a long, long time time and it needs to be corrected the only thing with with the 80s was was there was no salary cap there was no free agency you know if, if you drafted well and uh and and uh, and just correct me if I'm wrong who's in, who's the name of that general manager in the 80s that pretty much drafted the entire he just passed away uh maybe 10 years ago 
the general manager that that uh, Dick I got into a fight with. Of the bear? Uh, yeah, he was a general manager. He drafted pretty much the entire 84, 85 team. Oh, uh, Jim Finks. Jim Finks. Jim Finks. Yeah. Hold on. Let's see who's at the podium here. It looks like Darnell Mooney. Going into that play, did you assume you guys were going to go for it on fourth down if you didn't connect on third and one? No, I had no idea that we were going to go for it on fourth down. I just heard that somebody called him. I don't know if it was us or them. Something happened that stopped the play. And, uh, I just heard somebody was calling Andy, Andy, Andy. And when I was running out the field, was and uh, I guess we were just trying to see what they were going to do, was uh, or make up our mind if we wanted to go for it or whatever. I didn't know. But then we went out there, we swapped the punt team and the offense went back out there and we went for it. With Allen Robinson being out for this game, how did you deal with the added pressure that the defense would focus on you since he would be the primary receiver? How did you prepare this week for that? Uh, no pressure at all. I mean, I just – Tried to take every opportunity that I could and try to make the best of it. Uh, knowing A-Rod was out, a big vocal point of our offense. So I knew I would have to take care of the, the other load that he uh, that he has. And uh, I was up for it. It was a lot of a lot of opportunities missed out there that I definitely uh, very mad about. But um, I can only just go forward and just work on it and uh, try to try to get, get back and have a great game on, on Thursday. Danny, at halftime, I said that this game was somewhat of an audition for Darnell Mooney to be what to, to see whether he could be the number one receiver for the Chicago Bears because that's been a question that you've received on Bear Truth that we've seen on social media. Lots of people asking, can Darnell be Mooney be a number one receiver? If this was a an audition for that, let's just say that it was. How do you think that he did today? I think I mean he had a great game, five catches, 121 yards. But he had a key drop on on third down in that first half that would extend that a, a drive there. And, and you know number one receivers make those kind of catches. Now there was another catch. He almost made a spectacular catch on the sidelines that a one handed grab. That if he had, I think if he had held down to the ball, his, his elbow hit in bounds. It would have, it would have been a big big uh, big game there. But he dropped right. it unfortunately. Again, it would have been a tremendous catch. Not you know knocking him for dropping that. But I'm just saying, um, I, I think he's better suited right now. As as a complement number two receiver, you still need a number one, you know, alpha male, if you will, on uh, opposite of him to be able to kind of draw much of the attention. Now, you know, we, we talked about Allen Robinson and the down year he's having, but he was missed out there today, guys. You know, there was a there was a third down play throw that that Justin Fields threw. It was an out route, and uh, it, he he threw it to Marquise Goodwin. There wasn't much separation there, and then Goodwin kind of didn't make it far enough out to to the boundary where Fields threw it. And I think if if that was a Allen Robinson, a veteran that you know his knows how to run those routes probably better than than a guy like Marquise Goodwin, who's just primarily primarily in his career has been used as a vertical threat downfield. I think that would, might might have been a, a situation there where he could have probably got another first down. So again, I, I you you need a number one guy opposite of, of Darnell Mooney just to as at this point right now in his career. Now, could he probably maturing and continue to get better? Sure, and get more than more consistent in terms of making those easy catches like that third down play that he dropped. Uh, there's a couple of times this year as well where he dropped some some balls there where he you know he probably could have caught him. So um, again, young guy, only second year in the league. You know, I I still have high hopes for him. I, I still think it's a, it's a nice find by Ryan Pace, right? And I think this is a guy that can be a a, a, a premier prominent feature uh, player on offense. Just like not ready to call him a number one 
receiver right now. So, but just kind of real quickly, go touch it back on what we talked about the 84 team and 85 team. Jim Fings did a, much of that drafting back in the 82, 83, 84 draft. So that team was pretty much set in terms yep. of the draft. So there was no free agency. There was no, you know, this movement, that player movement that we have now in the NFL. So it was a little bit easier there to kind of, if you draft really well, in multiple successful years, you're going to have a, a nice core to build on and kind of ride that wave throughout the 80s. And that's basically what the Bears did there. So, and Ditka was obviously that the coach there, and you know, they didn't make many you know, coaching changes. But this NFL now, player movement is is the way we've seen teams go from you know five and eleven, you know, top 10 picks to next following season being eleven and five and being you know a number one or number two seed in the playoffs. So, you know, quick change changes can happen in the NFL if you hire the right people. So if you hire the right general manager, for example, to come in and he hires a right uh head coach and a right head coach makes the, the right coaching hires. And then you actually you know you have a team that's that's young, exciting, and competitive. Just a, a you know case and example. I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs this year, but look at the Eagles, right? The Eagles made made a nice uh, uh, under the, you know under the radar kind of hire in Nick Sirianni in terms of the head coach, and he's taking you know Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. I know you like coming out of Alabama. I had some question marks about him, and he's they're doing they're competitive. They they went there and today they, they beat the Saints. Uh, so I think th this is this is a team that now it, it looks competitive. Looks, you know, at least they have a chance to kind of compete in the in the playoffs or for the playoffs. And they were a team that was picking in what top top six last year in the in the draft. Actually, I think top three. They ended up trading down and back and forth or whatnot. So, um, so that's an example that like you can quickly change things around in the NFL from year to year if you make the the right hire and you know, who make the right decisions, so on and so forth. So the, you know, this Bears team is is not lacking talent, right? We've talked about some of the depth issues where if they lose premier guys up front, you know, they're, they're, they're having troubles, you know, replacing them. That's, that's one thing, but they have talent on this roster. Now, is it the most talented roster in, in the division? No, it's not, but it's got, it's better than what it was when pace and company took over. So that's what I'm saying. That's like, if you keep pace and he brings in the proper coach who brings in the proper coaching staff, and then they, now you can build around that and, and plug and play here with some veteran free agents, some, uh, a, another solid draft class, if you will, this bears team can turn it around. Like I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. I know people, uh, blowing me up on Twex messages and, and and on Twitter in terms of Justin Fields, you know, it was either right you know, guy. Justin Fields is the right guy. I feel, fully believe in him 100%. I have no doubt. You know, is he is he to the point? Has he progressed to the point where he's the you know NFL? You know, he's ready to go, blah, blah. He's fully developed. No, he's not. It's steps, and we've talked about this. It's gradual steps, and I think today again he made some nice plays. Again, he made some decisions where you know you and I are questioning him with that that play to to. Um, to Montgomery, where he could have thrown it to him on the side, could have got the first down. That's the one who actually, I think he might, you know, he actually pulled up lame after that play where they, they tackled him, kind of twisted him. So, you know, decision making still not there yet. Uh, but the talents there, you see the athletic ability, you see the arm talent, you see the ability to kind of, you know, um, feather it between different levels of the defense with touch, you know, deep accuracy. You know, he's got the talent. Now you just got to build around him, right? Mm -hmm. Offensive line playmakers on terms of the outside a receiver you, i think your running backs are, are set so it's just now that and now the other question for you if you're ryan pace if you keep this job is what are you going to do with your defense you have a lot of your money invested in that defensive line right a lot in that some uh, some of the safety some of the corners well not much corners but safety in Eddie jackson now you got to come pay you got to pay roquan smith he's coming up here on a contract now you, you know maybe do you cut bait now with with akeem hicks right let him go walk and put some of that money towards um Towards a, a Roquan Smith, do you reevaluate Eddie Jackson? Right, is he a guy that you want to keep here and build, help build around him on the defensive side? But definitely, there's going to be some you know guys on defense that are going to, have to be you know let go and, and some some new guys, some new blood be brought in here as well. So again, that's a key decision 
for Ryan Pace and presumably a new coach to go in and make. So that's why the key hires and the key acquisitions is what can easily turn a miserable season one year into a, a playoff team the following season. The key thing here is to avoid what happened during Phil Emery's stretch where he started to pour resources into the offense. And we saw the Bears finally have a really good offense, but the defense suffered and they brought in Mel Tucker and those Mel Tucker teams were giving up 50 points a game in consecutive uh, games to the Packers and the Patriots. So we don't want to see a replay of that. This is going to be a really tough situation. I want to ask you about what Foster uh, covers here. It says, Wilson, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State uh, might be available in that pick 35. Justin uh, Fields' buddy from Ohio State. Uh, Wilson's been having an excellent season, 60 yeah, catches, right. 11 touchdowns, almost 1,000 yards receiving. What do you think about that kid? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, uh, his teammate from Ohio State. Olave, so I, I, but I Olave think, will be gone, right? I, no, I, I think actually uh, the flip side, I think Olave might be available at 35. I think Garrett really? Wilson, had, Garrett Wilson has, has – Played this year and proven that he's a big time, big play uh, downfield player. Alave does the same thing as well, but Alave for me is is a guy that his his yak after the catch is not really there. He's a guy that really catches the ball, makes some some nice plays downfield, but he, you know he's kind of cut down real quickly and, and he's not not a guy that extends really plays, breaks tackles after the catch. Garrett Wilson is a guy that also gives you that vertical uh, threat, but also gives you a little bit more, you know, a little slant and go. You throw him a five-yard slant, you guys can bounce off some tacklers and get some more plays down the field. So as of right now, I, th I think Garrett Wilson has a chance to go, you know, late first round, mid first round area. And I think Chris Olave might be a guy that could, that could probably be available for the bears there at 35, but definitely receiver is going to be a, a position of need. Obviously we've talked about offensive tackle is going to be a position of need for me. Uh, safety is going to be a position of need. Uh, you know, linebacker is going to be a position of need. Uh, and again, we're just talking about a couple of, you know, positions here, but if we sit down and break down this draft, what's going to be, you know, what's going to be needed is we're going to probably touch based on every single position uh, besides obviously quarterback and running back. Uh, I just off top of my head right now are two areas that I don't think they need to touch uh, with this draft, but cornerback is a position they're going to have to look at as well. So, you know, right there, we touched what five or five or six positions on defense alone and two on offense that, that we could think of off the top of our heads. So there's gonna be a lot of needs coming on this, on this team here. And boy, it's it's a scary situation. Uh, Mule Skinner is asking about Daz Newsome. He should get some playing time. And I, I spoke with Greg Gabriel about this. And Greg says, well, if he's playing good in the scout team, which is where he's getting his practice reps, if he's playing good, then the Bears would make that decision to bring him in. They would have activated him today. But probably he still is not playing at a level in practice that they say, well, he would be better than Goodwin or Bird or any of these other guys. Your thoughts on on Greg's approach to here? Yeah, obviously, we're not privy to what they're doing on, on the scout team in practice. So, you know, and Greg makes a great point in terms of if they're showing out on 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 in practice on, on the scout team, that maybe you know, bring him in. But you know, uh, what does Isaiah Coulter do anything for you? So that, that's the thing is like you know, Rodney Adams was a kid that did a lot in terms of the the preseason and and with connection with with Justin Fields. He's a guy I'm surprised they didn't get a call up in terms of maybe you know making a play here and there. It this this coaching staff, you know, we're we're Kind of, kind of believing or trusting that they're that they're you know they're uh, making the right decisions based off what they see in practice. You know, at, at this point, do you guys trust the decision making of this coaching staff and say, oh yeah, you know they're bringing the, the right guys here to to play? I remember, Damian Williams was was getting carries and snaps ahead of Khalil Herbert. It wasn't until Williams got hurt and Montgomery was hurt until they gave Khalil Herbert a shot. And now what happens? Now, now you know Montgomery's back, which is fine. He's in, he's number one tailback. 
but they're not giving Khalil Herbert any carries. Why not? He was a guy that proved to us that he could carry the load and be a be a force. A nice one-two combo of, of, of Montgomery and Herbert would be a nice situation to have in the, in the backfield. So that's why why not utilize that strength of yours, Bears, Bears coaching staff? Those are the questions I have. So, you know, do we trust them to go ahead and bring the right guys off the practice squad to play? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can say I, I trust their decision-making right now. Um, so, I mean, I haven't seen anything in Isaiah Coulter uh, during the preseason or during the any, any sort of the, you know, in a, you know, games or anything like that. Um, obviously, he must be doing something in practice probably that caught the eye, and that's why they elevated him to, to the to the active roster. But again, he wasn't put out there. We saw Demir Bird out there again running those, you know, whatever he does, you know, routes, and then not not getting the ball to him. The one thing I did notice though, although let me know if you saw the same thing. Once Dalton got in there, we saw more guys get involved in the passing game, right? We saw Jimmy Graham get two catches. We saw Demir Burke get a, a, a pass catch. We saw Marquise Gunnarsi with that with that touchdown throw. So, so is that is that now just his comfort level with these guys because he's worked with them throughout the whole season in the preseason? Uh, is is it Justin Fields not now getting to the point of his progression where he's going to multiple options, maybe locking into one or two two guys pre-snap and then post-snap? That's the thing we got to look at. If that is a Justin Fields thing, that's something he's gonna have to take a look at and sit back and say, look at the tape. Look, like, all right, you know, Dalton came in there cold off the bench, and right away he got Jimmy Graham involved. He got Demir Bird involved. He got you know you got to spread the ball out here more. You know what is he doing at that point? I have to put that on Justin Fields. Say, hey Fields, yeah. let's sit down and say why are you not going through a progression like the way Dalton. And I understand Dalton's a multi-year veteran in the NFL. He's seen a bunch of these defenses, and he, and he kind of knows how to read defenses. But in the next progression of Justin Fields is you got to get there now. you got to get to the point where you can now spread the ball out to multiple receivers as well. I, that's that's exactly correct. That's I totally agree with your assessment there. Andy Dalton, there's no disputing. Anyone who wants to to debate this point, Danny or and or myself will kill you. Andy Dalton at this point sees the field 10 times better than Justin Fields. He sees the field and Justin Fields is still not seeing a hundred percent the field. We saw that today on, on that play where he failed to dump off the pass uh, and he decided to try to run for the first down. He failed to, to just flick it to David Montgomery. There were other plays last week on, on, on the bare truth. We saw Andy uh, Allen Robinson wide open down the middle of the field, but he made the decision to, to test the cornerback who was guarding Darnell Mooney on the sideline. You got to be able to see the field and see the open player, anticipate those guys are get, getting open. And that just takes time. Mm-hmm. The thing is with Justin Fields that I, I, I don't want to speak for you uh, and uh, uh, Danny, but correct me if I'm wrong. The thing with Justin Fields is that we think that he's going to develop that characteristic that Mitchell Trubisky was unable to uh, uh, develop. That's the big point here. That's the thing. It's it's Andy Dalton is is a multi year veteran. You know, Andy Dalton has been through the the wars, if you will, seen a bunch of these you know these defenses and, and knows how to attack these coverages. And that's the thing with Justin Fields right now. Dalton can read defenses pre and post uh, snap better than Justin Fields. You're right, Aldo. But what's how Justin Fields is going to get better is if he gets live reps, gets action in games, and then develops that ability to to get to the level of Andy Dalton. Plus, on top of that, his skill set, his ability to throw the ball deep 
accurately, his ability to get away from pressure, his ability to run as, as, as a carrier, use his legs. That's what gives him that added element to help the Bears win games. And now, it, it, but the more you retard that that progress or that that ability to get out there and, and play and learn under fire, uh, that's that's more you're, you're, you're delaying your ability to be successful offensively as a football team and his development as a, as a future starter. So that's that's why you and I have been adamant about Justin Fields needs to be out there and give the, give the Bears the best opportunity to win. Hey, Justin Fields, um, uh, you know, did a great job last week in, in hostile territory, yep. primetime game, bringing his team down against, uh, you know, a, arguably maybe a better or same kind of caliber defense on the road and gave his team a lead, right? And then right. the defense, again, let the, the Steelers drive down and, and win the game. So Dalton did the same thing here. He came in, made a couple of throws. Um, you know, that, that, that touch on the, to Darnell Mooney, that was a screen throw. Why wasn't that in the in the game with Justin Fields? We've been calling for screen, whether it's the receivers, whether it's the running backs. You know, exactly. why is that not in the game plan for Justin Fields, right? He can make that throw. It's a, it's a, it's You and I can make that throw. It's not a, a, a you know, difficult throw to make. But – comes in and he, he makes that throw a touchdown bam they go they take the lead so on and so forth and then that that lucky play where he you know he beats that um uh, that coverage that that zero blitz coverage um and he gets a touchdown to goodwin also is is a is a play that uh probably shouldn't have happened but it happened you know we give him give him credit for that but you know with justin fields his ability to once he gets to know the defenses once you be able to fully be able to comprehend what's going on he's going to get better and better and just that that talent look at this throw right here this is a, a throw that he drops it on the run to his right just a, with accuracy and touch to a streaking darnell mooney and, you know and he's getting hit at the same time he is, it releases the football those are the special type of throws that he can make that guys like dalton some other quarterbacks the bears have on the roster cannot make this is what we're talking about you see these kind of these kind of plays here that touchdown last week to mooney for against pittsburgh that was another special type of play that you know physically athletically you know uh, fields can make dalton can make so why retard his progress and and and, and sit him on a bench and let him just sit there and kind of learn off of tape Instead of letting him go out there and, you know, you're not going anywhere anyway this season, apparently, you know, let him go out there and let him learn on the fire and get to the point where hopefully by next season coming into the season, he's got more of a understanding of what defenses do, how to attack them, you know, similar to, you know, probably not similar to Dalton because Dalton's been in the NFL for multiple seasons, but just, you know, have a better understanding of, of what to do, how to attack defenses. And I think putting him on a bench and not playing him and kind of running through any Dalton out there where you knew he's not the future of your franchise. He's a guy that's on a one-year contract, probably going to be somewhere else next year. It's just not going to be something that, that that's beneficial for the organization. Yep. So we're at a point now where you while we're still not mathematically out of the playoffs, you have to be thinking at this point that the playoffs are, are a pipe dream. And so you need to start taking a look at players regardless of whether they've played well uh, in practice or not, but you've got to start making determination on who are some of the guys you can build on. So, you know, guys like Tevin Jenkins, if over the next week or two he he proves that he's healthy enough to play, we need to see him in the lineup, right? Yeah, if, if he's healthy enough, and, and that's the thing we talked about on Bear Truth, is is uh, that back injury is something that I he needs to prove to me that physically he's so strong enough to be able to go out there and be able to you know maintain his, his ground and, and not get put himself in a position where he could, could get hurt even worse. So if he is healthy, he's fully cleared, he's got his strength back, yeah, I'd put him out there. Now, I don't say I'll, I'll put him out there and bench a guy like Jason Peters, right? I'd put him out there and, and see if there's a position where there's an injury, maybe a, a guy's playing nicked up a little bit. And then if not, I'll just make them active. And in case something happens during the game, 
I'd insert him in there, whether it's a left guard, right guard, whatnot. So I wouldn't just necessarily give him a, a starting position and be like, all right, go out there and start because this guy is not, you know, right now to me, there isn't a guy that other than maybe a Sam Mustafa, you know, we, we can argue back and forth that a guy who hasn't been playing really well, um, you know, unless you want to make the change where you bench Mustafa, move James Daniels to center and plug in uh, Tevin Jenkins there, right guard, that could be something you could try if you want to, you know, if you're the Bears, to kind of look towards the future. If you know Mustafa is not going to be your future center, you know, that, that's the move I can see happening. But right now, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't bench anybody and just, you know, to say, all right, we're going to put Tevin Jenkins in there because that wouldn't be fair to the guys that have been out there playing for what, you know, six, seven, eight, no, was it nine games now, 10 games now? So, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't do that to them. But uh, yeah, I mean, if there's an opportunity to get him in the lineup, if he's fully healthy and cleared, Definitely get him out there. I, I can see we talk about a guy like Daz Newsom. If you can get some of these guys out here, you know, Demir Birds is on a one-year contract. You know, Marquise Goodwin had a touchdown, you know, catch today, but really he's not a guy that's going to be here, you know, multiple years. So get some of these guys on on the uh, off the practice squad or off off your bench, and let's see what they can do too in terms of the receivers because you're going to have to get out there and and um, and learn about these guys. And I you know I was really disappointed that Jasper Horstead was uh, was inactive because I thought with Allen Robinson out. You opportunity here to utilize all four of your tight ends and maybe even flex out a horse at a receiver, maybe a Jimmy Graham at a receiver, because you remember Horsta was a receiver in college. So maybe you could have used that size. You know, you never got to the point where you're in a red zone territory and you could, you know, kind of throw the ball up there for him. But I'd like to see what he could have done, right? Let's let's get him active. But again, he was inactive. Um they, they carried four tight ends for the game. Uh, JP Holds was was more of like a, a lead blocker slash, you know, halfback, if you will, um, in, in the game. But um, yeah, so that, that's the thing. It's maybe special teams was an issue, issue why they didn't they didn't address Jesper Horset today. They decided to go ahead and go with JP Holds. But, you know, guys like that are guys I want to see out there because, like you said, Aldo, three and seven. Chances are very, very good chance you're not making the playoffs. Uh, chances are there's going to be a, a big changes coming at Hallis Hall at the end of the season. So might as well get whatever young guys you have out on the field. Let's see what they got. The passing numbers don't look great for Justin. Four out of 11, 79 yards. It is interesting that three out of those four completions were explosive plays. But uh, 11 out of 23 for Andy Dalton, two touchdowns. So people in the chat room are debating about Justin Fields and and giving him playing time, what you've been basically been talking about. And somebody asked – you know what? What did Justin Fields learn today? So I'll I'll, I'll tee that one up for you because I I could answer that question, but I think you can answer it better. Well, in terms of what he learned today, it was was just kind of you know he, something that he's got to continue to get better at. Is just take what the defense gives you. You know, we talked about that play on Montgomery. You know, that was a play he could have dumped it off. That would have been a first down and continue. You know, continue making plays. Um, in terms of uh, you know, um, ball security in, in the pocket, he's gonna have to continue to put two hands on the football. Um, and you know, even if he's hit, and I know I know it was like a, kind of a, a sort of a blindside hit, but. Nonetheless, you're a quarterback. You have the ball in your hands. Was it you know, 90 some percent of the time? You need to make sure you have ball security on that football. So that's another thing he's got to work on. Um, and then just you know, continue to, to get pressed. Now, the one thing that disappointed me when Fields was in there was the tight ends were not involved. There was a couple of throws to to Komet that were off target, uh, but I don't think Komet had any any catches until Dalton got in there. Again, right. Jimmy Graham got two catches when Dalton got in there. Um, you know, we saw Marquise Bird. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, Demir Bird get a catch. We saw Marquise Goodwin get catches. You know, that guy was able to go through and spit the ball to other other players on offense. That's something I want to see Justin Fields get better at as well. So, you know, decision-making, ball security, and then using all your weapons. However, you know, I know they're not great weapons, but, you know, if Dalton can get the football to them in a situation where they can make plays, let's do the same thing here as well. Now, could that – I also would argue as well that we saw the play calling change a little bit once – 
feel uh, Dalton got in there as well. We saw the Bears open up a little bit more. Um, it, it just seems like Matt Nagy and the coaching staff trust Dalton more in terms of his decision making. Maybe it's because they feel like he's better in terms of reading defenses right now at this stage uh, and making the proper decision in the pocket. But if you want this young quarterback to, to get better and continue to grow, you kind of have to kind of you know teach him and coach him up. And I, I just don't know why there's two separate, separate game plans. Same thing we saw last year with Trubisky. With Trubisky, we, we kind of knew he was limited in terms of his ability to get the ball downfield with accuracy and touch. So that's why they kind of use the whole you know um, you know ball possession, run the football, roll them out kind of things, which which worked for a little bit. But again, that's your limiting your offense. Here with Justin Fields, we know he's got the ability to get the ball downfield. We know he's got some accuracy and touch. Okay, maybe he doesn't have the the full knowledge of the offense or the ability to to decipher defenses pre and post as some of the a veteran like Andy Dalton does. But coach him up to the point where you're comfortable at least taking shots downfield and getting other other guys available. You know, other guys involved as well. So again. I'm going to be here defending Justin Fields because I think the kid's promise and his potential is 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 outstanding, and I still believe in the kid. I'm not saying he's a finished product. I'm not saying he's a guy that that today is going to be a pro bowler, but I'm saying that I believe in his talent. I believe in the kid's character, and I believe in his determination and hard work and, what, and how bad he wants it. And I know the NFL has seen some positives with, with Justin Fields that, that they are saying that he is now you know the, the, uh, a positive, young, promising uh, prospect there at quarterback. So, you know, Take this kid and develop him and nurture him and just continue to let him get better and better. And that's how I, I feel. I feel like in a year one, year two or three, you're going to see a, a kid that's got potential to make Pro Bowl rosters. So I still believe in the kid big time. Absolutely. And so I, I, to, to those people, like I got into a uh, debate with Mike North on Twitter today because – you know, he he still is a believer in Metro Trubisky. He might be the only one. Him, him, and, him and Mrs. Trubisky, I think the only ones believe in Metro Trubisky. <laughs> I think so. So, uh, so the issue is, is that people like Mike and other people who are down on Justin Fields have to take into consideration that Justin Fields did not have any snaps at all with the first team, not anything of uh, of substance. Yeah, he, he had a, a handful of snaps. But like Allen Robinson said at a press conference two or three weeks ago, that they weren't able to establish a connection because it was Andy Dalton taking the vast majority of the snaps. So these are the snaps that Justin Fields needs to take. Now, he didn't play as well as he could have. He could have been helped by by uh, Darnell Mooney making the catches. He could have been helped perhaps by a little better play calling and so forth. But but Fields himself made enough mistakes here for us to say, darn it, Justin, wish you wouldn't have done that. Wish you would have spotted that guy open. Wish you would have thrown a more accurate pass. That's all, that's all legitimate complaints. But you got to take into context that this guy needs snaps in order for him to meet his potential. There's no way that you're going to sit this guy two or three years and he's going to come out and play great. No, that's not the way the NFL right. works now. Right. This He has to be out there and play, and we've got to take those bumps. Now, if anybody is going to say to me, this team would have a better record right now if Andy Dalton would have started every game, I, I'm not going to argue that because I think that that's what Matt Nagy was arguing when he said that Andy Dalton is a starter because he knew that Dalton's experience could potentially lead to more victories than Justin Fields. So I'm not going to be a big arguer about that, but I will say this. If Justin Fields would have been given the first team snaps throughout OTAs and preseason and so forth, and he was the starter with all that proper, uh, uh, 
teaching and, and, and practicing and so forth, then I think that the Bears right now could be a, a 500 or better team. But that wasn't the case. And so you got to take that into account when you're evaluating Justin Fields. For me, it's, it's the opposite. I, I, don't, I don't know if like, – so if Andy Dalton started versus the Browns, you think the Bears would have beat the Browns that day, the way they were, they were playing that game? I don't think so. You know, what, what game would, would uh, Andy Dalton come in and, and if he had started? Would he help the Bears win? I don't know. I, I just don't see it. Again, all, Andy Dalton is in, is right now a, a, a very good back, veteran backup quarterback. You know, he did today what he is supposed to be doing, right? He's supposed to come in and help, help get his team get out of a, a a situation in which the starting quarterback goes down, help them possibly get a victory. He did that. He did his job today. You know, he's a guy that can come in, probably start next week versus Detroit and give you a reasonable effort, you know, in terms of a respectable effort in terms of, you know, quarterback play. But he's not a guy that long-term is going to be your starting quarterback. We've seen that play out, guys. Andy Dalton right now is a very good veteran backup quarterback. Justin Fields is the future of this team. He's a guy that needs, like you said, said, needs to get go through those rookie mistakes, through those lumps, and learn from them. The one thing we learn about this kid is that once he makes a big mistake, he goes back, he gets coached up, he looks at it, he learns from it. He generally doesn't make it again, right? So, so that's the thing we're kind of it's kind of encouraging about him is, is once and he's a hard worker. He's a guy that's going to work on his craft. He's not going to be sit back and, and, and sit on his you know Ohio State laurels or what he's done so far in the in the, in the NFL. But he's a guy that's going to go out there and work on his on his craft and continue to get better. So the one thing with him is just get him out there, get him the experience. Just don't get him hurt. That's it. Don't put him in a position where he's exposed to big hits or, or, or situations where he's going to get, you know, cold clocked and, and, you know, God forbid he's got a, you know, a long-term injury. And that's, how, that's what you want to do. You want to protect the kid as well. So um, maybe that's what they're doing with, with some of the limited play calling is that they're kind of protecting him, you know, instead of, you know, making them go out there and taking these, you know, um, four or five step, you know, five, seven step drops. He's out there, you know, two, three steps, get the football, which is great, which is fine. But just continue to kind of build on week to week, give him a little bit more and more and more until by the end of the season, hopefully he's he's not fully developed, but he's going to be you know well on his way to being a fully developed quarterback. It, regarding your example of the Cleveland Browns, th- that loss was primarily because of the scheme that the Bears' offensive coordinator and coach uh, and the head coach brought to that game. They didn't provide Justin Fields with right. the scheme, but if they would have used that same that same scheme with Andy Dalton, I'm not saying they would have won, but it wouldn't have been the blowout that it was. And they maybe would have won because the one thing that Dalton can do that Fields can't do now is to change plays at the offensive line, to make quicker decisions. In that game, I was there at that game, and I told Dan Aguirre when he was complaining about the coaching, I said, well, but you got to be honest. Fields is holding on to the ball too long, and he did that for a number of plays in that game. He didn't know what hit him because the Browns were bringing everything and the Bears weren't doing anything to protect the kid. Dalton has seen that before and would have reacted in a better way towards that. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm, I'm still saying Justin Fields all in. I'm, I'm all in on that. But I'm saying that th- at this point, we we should have we should have I'm saying that uh, when we drafted Justin Fields, we should have made the decision to make him the number one quarterback immediately. That's the key thing here. 
Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, and, and you make some valid points in terms of that Browns game, but I mean, I, I saw the way that you know that 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 line was blocking that, and that was a, a if you want to say it, a quote unquote, an any Dalton game plan. That wasn't a Justin Fields yeah. game plan, right? So yes. even if Dalton was in there, I, I just don't see how he would have been able to beat the Browns on that day. Now I'm not saying the Browns are are, are you know like a, a, a unbeatable team. I'm just saying that the, the way they're blocking, the way they're not blocking, and and, and I saw the tape, and there, there wasn't there there are a couple of situations where where there's a receiver open here and there. Maybe Maybe Dalton would have hit those plays, maybe continue some drives. But in terms of putting points on the board to be able to beat the Browns that week, I, I just don't know. I don't, again, we, we won't know, right? We're just kind of we're just kind of you know going back and forth here. But from my, my opinion, I, I don't know if Dalton could have done that. I, Andy Dalton is a guy that's very limited now. He's a, again, he's a, a good veteran quarterback to have on your roster, but he's just not a guy I'm going to hang my hat on and say, all right, you're going to go ahead and, and, and win me, you know, 10, 10, 11 games anymore in, in, in an NFL regular season. I just, it's just not a guy I, I believe in like that. So, um, it, my, my gut feel is that they're going to sit Justin Fields on Thursday to protect those ribs. They're probably tender. Let's hope that the x-rays come back negative and there aren't any hairline cracks or fractures or whatever. But because it's a quick turnaround, my gut feeling is that Dalton will start Thursday against the Detroit lions. And do you think that Dalton's experience and the successes that he's had in this league, including a victory last season on Thanksgiving Day, right. do you think that perhaps gives the Bears a better chance to win against Detroit? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, like I said, could come in and he can he can do a, you know, he's been in there, seen it. Um, but again, you know, is he going to go ahead and, and, you know, help them, will this team to a victory? We'll, we'll have to see because I, I think that if – I think I agree with you. First of all, I think he's going to start because I think if Justin Fields' injury is is much worse than than um, you know we probably know about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe if it was a regular game, maybe if it was like a, you know a couple extra days to rest up, maybe I could see Justin Fields maybe taking a shot and then you know swinging up and playing that versus the Lions. But since it's a shorter week, I think Dalton will start. And yeah, I mean he's a guy that that could come in and and be functional, be functional behind. Uh, this offensive line and, and with this receiving core and, and possibly put up maybe some, you know, like 17 points or something like that. But is that defense going to be able to hold up versus the Lions? Because they weren't able to hold up today at home versus a backup quarterback making this first career start without Marquise Brown out there. You know, I, like we talked about it on Thursday. The, the Ravens offense has got two, two key uh, players, two key stars on offense. The quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and that tight end, uh, Mark Andrews. Jackson was out, so that's left one end and one guy there. And Andrews was uh, a guy. Uh, his final numbers were, I believe, eight receptions for seventy-three yards. You know, that might not say that's not a huge game, but that's a game. He was their number one receiver, and that was a guy you had to take away. And the Bears couldn't do it. And at the he, end, I don't. He Sammy kept Watkins, moving the chains. That exactly. Was the yeah. Exactly. And then at the end, Sammy Watkins made that big play off that blown coverage there on, on the Bears defense. So, do you know, as are the Bears defense going to be able to hold up? You know, I know Jared Goff isn't great. You know, we'll see if he starts next next week. But you know, again, those that Lions team plays tough. They you know they're not a team that's gonna just they're oh eight and I mean, they might even lost today thinking they might be oh, nine and one now. But you know, they're they're a team that that's not gonna come under and lay down, especially on Thanksgiving Day. So you know, can Dalton go under and lead a victory? Yeah, I could say yeah. But is the defense gonna help him? And uh, if the Lions come on motivated and they're, and they're flying around the football, I could easily see the Bears get beaten, beaten badly, and I can see then the Bears, like I said, make a coaching change.
I think it's a brilliant uh, prediction on your part, and I would not at all be surprised if it comes to fruition. Your good buddy on Draft on Tap, Neil Stopchinski, is still at Soldier Field, at least as of seven minutes ago, and he tweeted this out. He's shooting the bull with fans there. People are pissed. Not that they lost the game pissed, but legitimately pissed off. I hope Virginia McCaskey understands this energy around our professional football team right now because it's not good. So that's and, why I'm, and, 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 and that's I, I agree. Here. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I'm saying here. I agree. It, it, there's a lot of animosity there amongst the fans and, and for good reason. So that's what I'm saying. You go out to, to Detroit and you lose to them on Thanksgiving Day. And, and you're going to come back here and face the Cardinals with the same coaching staff. That's going to you're asking for disaster in terms of if you're the Bears organization. That's why just to kind of you know help Matt Nagy in terms of you know saving from that embarrassment because you know they're going to, you're going to you're going to hear the fire Matt Nagy chants uh, you know as soon as he's you know hits the field on on that game against the Cardinals if they lose against the you know the, the Lions. So um, you know just save him from that embarrassment if you will and just let the guy go and let you know whoever whether it's laser or you know mike penn uh, take over the rest of the season just to kind of give that guy some some break because you're not going anywhere if you're three and eight you lose to alliance uh you're, you're not going anywhere yep all right danny uh do you want to make a prediction on, on the uh lions game because we are not doing a bare truth uh this week because of the holiday we've got an abbreviated schedule of bears programming this week so i'll throw it over to you 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 want to prognosticate uh, a win or a loss on Detroit or any, any thoughts regarding the game at all? I'll tell you, it's to me, it's up in the air. And I, I know, I know, like I said, that they're, they're a Lions team that's winless, but they play hard. And I keep saying that they, they play hard. Um, but with, you know, with fields out uh, Dalton in there, I know he made a couple of throws today that people get excited about, but you know, uh, I, this could be a toss up for me. I mean, it really is. It's a game that I can see the bears losing And it's not a game that I, I predicted them to lose, a couple of weeks ago, it's a game that I, I pretty much had put in, in the uh, in the in the one column, you know. So so now it's it's a toss up for me, and and I could easily see them going up there and and looking um, futile and, and and you know and and not really coming out with a victory. So um, I, just just because I I think they're the better team, I think that they could go out there and, and, and win. I'll give a prediction of what, the twenty four to seventeen, for example, uh, with the Bears win, but. I can also easily seeing that score being flipped and reversed, and the, and the Bears, like I said, you know, uh, taking another one in the loss column and really, really uh, lighting a, a fire under that that hot seat of, of Matt Nagy up at Hallis Hall. I uh, tweeted a number of times today that this was a terribly ugly game, Bears Ravens today. Got at least it got dramatic towards the end, but I my pre prediction is that this Bears Lions game is even going to be uglier. And the only thing that uh, that I hope we we see is that the Bears team at least comes out to play and understands the tradition of being a Chicago Bear playing the Detroit Lions. You got to fight them. You got to, you know, make sure that the snot is coming out of your nose when you're tackling people. You got to make sure that you're doing whatever you can to win the game and and don't embarrass the city of Chicago and Chicago Bears fans and the organization on national TV on Thursday because that right now is where I think where we're headed. This team appears to be giving up on head coach Matt Nagy, and he appears to know that his fate 
with the Chicago Bears is about over. And they don't have to get blown out either to, to be embarrassing, right? Because you, you go exactly. out there and you lose to this team, whether it's by a field goal or a touchdown, you still lost to a winless team on national television and you've lost seven in a row now. Is it six or seven? I keep I keep mixing the number, but I think it's gonna be six in a row. Um, yeah. That that's that's just I honestly how you come back from that, yeah. and, and if you're Matt Nagy and, and this coaching staff, so um, that, it's that, that'll be a uh, you know a, a, a big uh, you know egg in your face for an organization for the Bears if that happens, especially on, on Thanksgiving Day national television. You know everyone's watching, right? Even mm-hmm. even the 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 the, the, the out of town fans that, that like other teams and don't really pay attention to the Bears. You know everyone everyone's watching. Thanksgiving Day. And if you go up there and lay an egg, that's that's bad news. Yep. Indeed. Hey, uh, Danny, I want to thank you profusely for uh, jumping on today to fill in for Tyler Ellis and John Buffone. And I know uh, you've got a little sick one at the home right mm-hmm. now that you want to uh, go off and attend to. So please uh, head out there. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you real soon and we'll come up with a game plan on the next Bear Truth and everything else that we're working on here at the barroom. So uh, thank you very much. And thank you, everyone who uh, participated in our show in the live version. And if you liked what you heard, tell your friends about it because the show will be on demand, both on audio, podcast, and video. And uh, tomorrow at around 2 o'clock, it'll be Greg Gabriel. We'll get his thoughts on it. Now, he thought the Bears were going to win today, so it'll be interesting to see what he his feelings are going forward against the Lions, which he thought that could potentially be a loss. So we'll get his thoughts on that and much more right here on the Barroom Network. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.